to solve this murder. I am your detective, Danny. And I'm your crime scene criminal and witnesses, Bill. We're switching it up. Yeah, we're switching it up. This is our first one for a while. We're back from a, from a bit of a break. And we're switching it up. I am going to be the creator of the mystery. And Danny is going to solve it. Now, interestingly, I think this has been a long time coming. And there are yeah. two main reasons why. Because I hate improvising. And I, when I read <laughs> murder mystery books, never try and solve them. What? I don't really try and solve them. I don't understand. I'm reading a book and I'm like, oh, Poirot, what are you going to do next? Are we married? I what? know. What? And you always ask me, who do you think did it? And I have to be like, oh, let me formulate. When you are, the reason it takes me so long to answer the question, who do you think did it, is the moment you ask me is That's when I start formulating oh, my guess. Oh, no. So I, think, I have never understood those people. I think we might be in the wrong roles, usually. Oh, I guess we're going to find because out. Because the role that requires someone to, to do That's more improvisation. Uh, is, is You'd the, think, because you've got the plans, and yet you still are going to have to do the I'm most gonna improvising. I'm going to have to so there you go. That's me now. And the person who actually has to think about how to solve a murder is the person who usually thinks about how to solve murder mysteries. I think we maybe we may have found our proper groove. We'll see how this one goes. Yeah, I hope so. It'd be nice if this look, I don't, out, Look, but... I don't want to say that I don't think about who did the murder in a murder mystery, but I'm not like, better stop reading and see if I can solve it before Pyro does. Really? You don't pause every now and again to think about it? I kind of just read them. Oh, I get moments. I have theories. I definitely get moments where I have to stop for a moment because... I know that clues will keep being given to me if I continue, and I don't want that just yet. Yeah, see, this is why maybe we, we've been in the wrong roles the entire oh, time. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, I've got to get into the uh, role of the detective for this, and yes. I think I need a bit of help. Can you pass me some uh, D10s? What enough are you doing? to make a D100? Wait, I, just need to, I just need to do some character building here. All right. I won't be able to do this until I can get into a proper frame of mind. So All right, I've, I've got two found, D10s. Let's say black some, is 10 and red is 1. I've just found some D100 tables of appearance and Why personality okay. traits, and I need something to get I myself take it all back. It. Daddy shouldn't be in any role. What are you doing? <laughs> 44. Right. 44. What does that say about my appearance? Uh, I have poor eyesight and large glasses. Well, this is going to make clue gathering interesting. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. Why am I not allowed my glasses? Uh, yeah, we're playing in a no glasses world. One more? I can have one more appearance, right? Yeah, I suppose so. 44, 44. again. Wow. Okay, so you cannot see it all and you have gigantic <laughs> glasses. Okay, that's quite something. You're blind, but your glasses are gigantic. D100. I did not see that coming. Yeah. Okay, well, I also get one personality trait. All right, and what is that? 68. I hate glasses. <laughs> I have a lesson for every situation drawn from observing nature. I think you've created Miss Marple. I think you're playing Miss Marple. <laughs> Can't see very well. Large I glasses. Think I created Miss Frizzle. And has a lesson from observing nature. All right. That's the character you're going to play? Okay. Frizzle Marple. Why did you do I just played as myself. I a, can't do that. A non-heightened, completely down-to-earth version of myself. You think that the real-world Danny is going to have the confidence at the end of a few hours of saying, it was this person, 100% put them in jail. Yes. You think that sounds like something I can do? You say that to me have... every day. <laughs> okay, so that's where we're at. So Danny, I get to the end of the whodunit books and I'm still not convinced. All right, so Danny is a version of herself that cannot see, has large glasses, and is full of folksy wisdom. I wish it hadn't been that one. Now I've got to come up with folksy wisdom. Why did you give yourself this job? You took this job so you didn't have to improvise. 
and now you've decided to give yourself an improv task of coming up with folksy wisdom. What is wrong with you? Well, one of the others on the list was you have an enemy somewhere out there, and I thought that sounded fun. Then you could have just picked that. No one told you to roll D100s to choose the the characterizations of your detective character. I'm sitting at my desk at work. I'm not doing any work. I'm uh, squinting at the 10-inch TV. Oh, this is the start of the scene? All right. And the phone rings. Mm -hmm. All right. Bring, bring. Fumble for it. Pick it up. Oh, hello. It's me, Detective Simba. My favourite. Hey, what's up? I just wanted to call to say thank you for all the great work that you've done for our department. I know you're just a private investigator, not officially part of the police force like that loser... Bill Bellingham, King of Police. Uh-huh. But we just wanted to thank you for all the... Remember all those great cases you solved for us that nobody got to hear? Yeah, whenever you start saying nice things about me and trashing Bill, I know that something difficult is happening. What no, is it? No, it's not. There's not even a case. Get on to it. I just wanted to give... Go on. Look, there's a, there's a fun convention happening in the little town called Copperton, SleuthCon, and uh-huh. I thought I'd give you some free tickets to SleuthCon as a, as a gift. You can go and check out the sleuths. Um, Making fun of me for being single? No. Well, maybe you'll meet a great man. You bought me two tickets? <laughs> or are you no, coming? I've got you one ticket to SleuthCon. Oh. I thought maybe you'd want to go to SleuthCon. It'd be a great fun time. A reward for all your great work for the department. Yeah, sure. Sounds great. When is it? Why, it's tomorrow. I've go got get to get eight cat sitters. You should have given me more notice. You should get one cat sitter for your eight cats. That's No, that's not the situation. Look, it's too long to explain. Don't... Tell me about it with some folksy wisdom. Well, I have one cat, but I also cat sit seven cats in uh, in their houses. Oh, we should pay you more. <laughs> so Zimba gives you, uh, you see in your front door, in your mailbox, there's some um, tickets that have already been delivered. So there are multiple tickets. There's one ticket. One for each Sleuth- cat now? There are some tickets. One to <laughs> SleuthCon and one for a plane to SleuthCon. Oh, lovely. So you can you go yeah, jump right. on a plane to SleuthCon. I'll make it happen. Wonderful. So you head off, you jump in a taxi. Doesn't sound like me at all. Oh, sorry. You jump in the Hyperloop and you get into a single car, <laughs> not a taxi at all. It's a special underground car. Much and it takes you straight to the airport. And you arrive, you see the plane that's taking you there. Copperton, a small town. Oh, no. The plane, a small plane. Right. I'm not going to say it's like a, it's not like a, it's not like a Dash 8, if that helps. It's not a, it's not a twin prop <laughs> oh, Dash yeah. 8. Oh, yeah. You know. It's got... The person who hates small planes knows exactly what each type is. But it is a small plane. And you're a little bit late getting there because you had to find eight cat sitters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As you enter the airport, you're at that stage of... Uh, we're looking for a uh, Danny, a detective Danny. Uh, if there's a detective Danny, could you please go to gate five? We are boarding. We're looking for detective Danny. Sweet. I loudly say, that's me. I shove anyone around a side and there's I no walk in the direction of... Gate five. Yeah. You head to gate five. The plane's already mostly boarded. You're the last one to get on. As you get onto the plane, the flight attendant greets you. There are presumably some pilots, but they're in their <laughs> pilot cockpit. And you see it's a small plane. There's actually only, uh, I can tell you how many seats there are Ooh. in this beautiful little plane. 20 seats. It's a small plane. Two on one side, two on the other. Okay. You are in seat B2. As you enter, you see that there are some other people sitting in the plane. It's not packed by any means. There's only a few people. In the front row, in let's say seat A4, you see there is a woman She's got like a big jacket with kind of, you know, the sort of padded 80s style shoulder pads. Mm-hmm. And she is fast asleep. Okay. She is like 
face up against the window, drooling a little bit asleep. Okay. In the row behind her, that's your row, seat B2. Behind that, you see in C4, Mm -hmm. there is an older woman, Mm -hmm. grey hair pulled back into a tight bun. She actually gets up a little and helps you put your overhead bag in the overhead compartment. Uh, She seems friendly. She's nice. She, She says hello. She sits back down. In row D, there are two people. There's one in D1 and one in D3. Oh, okay. In D1, you see a sort of a nervous, young-ish looking man, maybe in his late 20s. He's got a hoodie on. He's, he's sort of trying to just do something. He's flicking through channels on the, on the screen in front of him. But Small plane has channels. Good to know. It doesn't, the screen isn't, isn't actually doing anything yet. Every channel is just the safety briefing Yeah, I'm just surprised. I didn't know that small planes even had TVs on them. Yeah, a little TV on the back hmm. of a seat. And in D3, you see a man, a bald man in a business suit, already going through. He's got papers on his lap. He's got his briefcase on the seat next to him. It probably sure. shouldn't be. It's probably under, but you know, he's, he's got work. He's looking through all these things. Behind him in seat E3, you see there is another maybe mid-30s man who is sitting reading a copy of Murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> but the most obvious person is the one who's sitting right next to you as you settle down into B1. Uh-huh. You see a man sitting in B1, a fairly large man wearing a white suit. He's got like a cowboy hat on. He's got a little bolo tie. And as you sit down, he says, Well, howdy, welcome down. It's me. I'm Keith Moser. <laughs> How are you, young, young miss? I hope you're enjoying your, your time on this plane. Please sit down. How are you? Uh, all right. Thank you, Patreon donor Keith Moser. No, no, I'm not a Patreon donor. I'm a businessman. Cool. All right. If I know anything about cowboys, they are putting on their ostentatious act to cover up the fact that they're secret government spies. I work for the C... I mean... <laughs> so you sit... I mean, I'm assuming you sit down? Yeah, absolutely. Take out my Game Boy. Take out your Game Boy. Keith Moser in the seat next to you really does not take the hint of the Game Boy and says... Oh, that's okay. He can join in. And he says, how are you going? Where, where are you heading off to? Well, I hope we're all heading to Copperton. <laughs> yeah, you would be right. It'd be a bit worried if you're on the wrong plane. Uh-huh. I've done that once, got on the wrong plane, ended up in Jamaica when I should have been in Amarillo. That's very difficult to do. I'm impressed. Well, you see, I saw Kingston. I thought, well, the king lives in Amarillo because I'm the king. I don't live in Amarillo. I live in Copperton. I'm heading home. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> cool. What do you do out there? Well, what do I do? You see, uh, I'm a businessman, actually. Uh, uh, they always say to me, Keith Moser, they say... Say no more. They say... <laughs> I don't work for the CIA. I don't know where you got this idea. <laughs> they always say uh, Keith Moser, say the same thing. I got three ex-wives, two successful businesses, and one beautiful horse. Of course, that's going to change, I think. Um, uh-huh. See, I'm in the process of acquiring a new business. I suppose oh, I'll have not to... Not a new horse. I don't know, buy another two horses, maybe? Get three of each? <laughs> I'm not quite sure how the rhyme's going to work from there. But uh, yeah, it doesn't doesn't rhyme either. But two successful businesses, three ex-wives, one beautiful horse. That's what they always say about old Keith Moser here. Sounds exciting. Yeah, well, I started in cattle, you see. Fair enough, fair enough. Now, I will say I didn't start the cattle farm. I did inherit that from my my father. Sure, sure. The long line of Moser farm. But I did grow that thing up. You see, I expanded it. I grew that little cattle farm. I got on some, some new workers from other farms. I paid good. I did well. Grew it up. I'm going to want to move on to new things. Mm. I, I invested in auto parts manufacturer. That's where I went next. Oh, interesting. You may be, if, if you have a car. American auto parts? Oh, yeah. Huh. Good old Keith Moser, American auto. We're in America, I suppose. <laughs> I mean. Whatever country we're in, I could be an expat. You don't know. 
But yes, Keith Moser, uh, we, we start, I started auto parts manufacturing. We manufactured parts for autos of all types. Cars, other things, maybe a tractor or two. I don't know. Well, I do know. It's my business. Yeah. Engines, carburetors, yeah. oh, that's tailpipes. Right. <laughs> well, not tailpipes. Those all come from Japan. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But so I grew out, you know, got more workers on, expanded, took over all the other little auto parts factories in similar sort of areas, grew that up, and now I'm moving one step further. I, I suppose I'm getting more technological every time. See, I just uh, came back from some meetings about a computer company. So soon you'll be seeing, I don't know, Mosinet or something like that. I Ooh, haven't quite fun. worked out the name yet. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm consuming one. Consuming, that's not the right word. I'm taking over a company. Putting it into the Moser family. And, I like uh, consuming that. I'm consuming this company absorbing, into the. Absorbing, I assume. I'm absorbing you is the word I wanted. I'm absorbing a company into the new Moser factory. Wow. Now, this is all huge. I, isn't Copperton kind of small, but you're still based there? Well, Copperton's small, but it's rural. That's where the farm started out on the outskirts of Copperton. My auto parts manufacturers are all over, and this uh, computer business, I think, is going to be based in Pemberville. Yeah, it's a big city company. I'm, I've got places all over the place. Well, I've got a new business in Jamaica, too. Man. When I landed there accidentally, I founded a business because I'm Keith Moser. Copperton must have remarkably good internet, better than its name suggests. Yeah, no copper in Copperton. It's all fiber. They should call it Fiberton. Maybe they will. Uh, so he keeps telling you his life story. He tells you about his wives. and you know He had three ex-wives, uh, married one at 23. She went off to become an archaeologist, met... One at married one at thirty two and left her because she was a bit religious. Uh, married another one at forty six, but she was too young, and he thought, "No, nah, this doesn't really work for me." And divorced her as well. So three ex wives. He talks about his horse. His name is No School on Sundays, which I thought was a good name for a horse. Um, <laughs> a racer. A retired racer. Ah. Now a stud, stud horse. Ah, okay. Living the life. Boy race horse. Gotcha. So it tells you all about himself, and you can ask it if you have any other questions you want to ask this. But he he doesn't really mind if you ask questions or not. If you don't ignore, if you completely ignore him, he'll keep just talking mm-hmm. about his time. Now I'm starting to feel a bit insecure about how worldly he is, so I need to bring him back to learning to play my Game Boy, so I can dispense some wisdom to him. And you so call that's... that a Charmander, do you? <laughs> well, I wouldn't call that a Charmander. It looks more like a Salamander to me, but <laughs> I don't know. You have any folksy wisdom about lizards, do you? Yeah, only set them on fire if they can handle it with their tails. Ah, that's good advice for anything. <laughs> so you bring him into your world, the Pokemon. Right. Um, and after a little while, Wayne's taken off. He's talking you th- as, as it taxis and takes off. And once it's in the air, the, the flight attendant is taking a few little drink orders. Just he, one attendant? Just the one flight attendant. Okay. Keith flags her down and he says, oh, I'll have the big horn special, you know me. And she says, all right, two whiskeys, okay. You do this trip a lot. Oh, yeah. I mean, I fly a lot. I'm a businessman. I got stakes all over the country and the world, really. So, yeah, I'm flying all the time. But, uh, yes, I'm always flying back to, to, to Carpenton. So I think she doesn't, she doesn't know me. She knows the order. Everybody knows the order. Understood. While she's taking orders, uh, you see that the guy at the back. Orient way, Express dude Orient or Express Nervy dude? dude. Okay. He says, oh, um, I've, got a, I've, got a, I've got a food allergy I need to, to discuss. And, and the... The older woman as well also says, oh, oh, yes, yes, uh, me, me too. I need to talk through some, some allergy, th- oh, yes, allergy stuff. And so they both go up to the front where the food area is. Way at the front, in front of row A, is where there's a bathroom on the left and a little kind of food section on the right. And they're talking to the flight attendant about some apparently food allergy issues. Mm-hmm. And while they're up there, 
you suddenly feel a presence sort of hovering over your right shoulder. Fabulous. And you turn, and you see it's the bald man in a business suit. Okay. And he leans, and he does not look at you at all. He says straight through you over at Keith. Okay. And he says, Sir, we have to talk about some of the extra details of these contracts. I, I, we need to work out some of these staffing details. Do you want to look at these? Should I sum- summarise them for you? And Keith says, okay. Taylor, don't worry about it. This is Mr Heath, my, my associate. It, uh, we'll, we'll deal with the details when we land. For now, just don't just get it all in order. We'll get it ready for, for all the auditing we're going to do. Don't worry, it's fine. But, uh, sir, are are need... you sure I, like, I can move? You guys can sit together? No, no, you don't move at all, please. He needs to go sit and stop bothering me during the flight. All right, sir. I'll sit back down. And he sits back down. The boring bits of business. Well, yeah, the boring bits. Look, I don't mind the boring bits, but I'm more of a big pitch picture kind of guy. Well, you know what they say. Yeah, that's right. What do they say? Can't make a big picture without breaking a few paints. I don't think they say that at all. You even own a business? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I must have read that one wrong. My eyes, you see. Oh, of course, you can't see. I forgot about it. You have such large glasses, don't you? So after a while, they, you know, he continues the discussion. We talk about business and glasses and the mm-hmm. business of glasses and the glasses of business. Um, and after a short amount of time, the, the flight attendant returns to... Gives out some... Oh, did you order a drink? No. Uh, nothing for you. She reaches past you to put these two drinks down on, on Keith's tray. Uh, and it is, it's two sort of... I regret it now, though. I should have gotten water. I can get you a water. Nope. I uh, you know what they say. First water, twice shy. All right. Uh, so she <laughs> she places these two drinks on, on Keith's tray. They come to... They smell horrendous. Like, like one of them smells like, yeah, like weirdly sickly sweet. They're just not, not nice. Well, wasn't it just meant to be two whiskeys? Yeah, they're clearly they must be okay. super cheap Whiskey, or something. Wink. Like one of them smells alcoholic, but like not in a good way. Like in a and in, in just well. too much. It smells always like sharp, and that's, one of them smells sweet. And so it's just not yeah. nice. Uh, he doesn't seem to mind or notice really. She puts them down, and, and he picks up one and starts having a bit of a sip and put it back down. And then she goes off to get your water, and you feel a presence over your right shoulder. Oh, God damn it. And you turn, expecting Mister Heath. Mr. Taylor Heath. Mm. But no, you don't see Mr. Heath. You see instead that nervous sort of uh, late yeah, 20s guy in, in the hoodies. And he's sort of mumbling under his breath and you can't quite make it. I said, oh, just it. Again, not looking at all at you. Um, and he says, uh, uh, and he, Hello, sir. You may not know my name is Jake. And as he says, Hello, sir. You may not know my name is Jake. He reaches his hand out to shake Keith's uh, hand. Okay. Right past yep. you. Realizes you're sort of there in the way, has to divert his hand somewhere else, hits one of the drinks, knocks it to the ground, it smashes on the mm. floor. Or at least it spills on the floor. It's a carpeted aeroplane floor. It probably doesn't smash, <laughs> but the, 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 it spills everywhere. He's, oh, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. And then he turns around and goes back to his seat. <laughs> and Keith looks at you and says, Well, that was strange. That happened a lot? No, not hugely, no. What do you reckon he knows you for? Well, I mean, it might be my farming, my. My auto parts, my... Yeah, yeah, I know. You're, you're like, you've got a lot going for you. Maybe my racehorse. Based on him. Just based, based on him, mm, what do you based reckon? Based on him. Let me, let me... He gets up and tries to shift his seat. Hmm. I might know that boy. Maybe a carpeting boy. Maybe maybe he... Uh, oh. Maybe something, some small town here. I don't know. Didn't think of that. Yeah, that makes sense. And so the flight attendant gets in and tries to clear the... Oh, that's not going to go well. Gets under your feet to try and clean up a little bit. And Keith starts looking. He notices his drink is spilled. He... Gets a little bit bothered about it. 
He starts going, oh, my, my, it spilled right on the floor. Well, I mean, what a, what a waste. Oh, you know, these are ridiculous. It gets a little bit loud. The woman in the front row who was sleeping when you arrived sort of gets up and says, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Just, hey, just, just shut up. Just shut up. Just shut up. And tries to go back to sleep. Seems a little agitated. Yeah. <laughs> Again, okay. Keith shares a look with you. Hmm, a bit strange. Yeah, I, that one I would normally have a little bit of a chat about it, but I also know myself and... No, until she is well and truly asleep, I'm not saying a goddamn thing. Mm. I might give a side eye. So again, a little bit of time passes. Maybe an hour later, he sort of gets up and tries to shuffle past you. I just, excuse me, oh miss, I just gotta, if you can just, yeah, thank you, thank you. Mm -hmm. And he gets up and he sort of goes up to where the bathroom is. Sure. He's in there for a little while. You see that that nervous guy who was, who came up to shake his hand sort of also goes up and waits outside the bathroom for a little bit. But after, you know, a fair amount of time, like, you know, 20 minutes, something, he kind of That's gives awkward up, for a plane. turns back, goes back to sit down, mm. tries to avoid eye contact as he does. And then after a while, Keith comes back, sits down, kind of shuffles past his thing, goes, oh, oh I'm so sorry, my, my, my stomach's not feeling brilliant. I'll just... Oh, it seems very sleepy as well. That's okay. Sits down next to you and starts an all off. I'm very nervous about where this is going. Don't worry about it. In terms of, is this just a very hurtful build up where you have taken someone who's going to die and just endeared them to me a lot? Or are you pulling a house? Well, we'll find I, out. I know. I'm just letting you know where my head's at right now. A little bit later, that may another half hour. The flight attendant is going, collecting rubbish from people, collecting bits and bobs, and she's walking down, and she starts walking back up the aisle, back to the front of the, of the plane. And as she gets right at the front, past you, right as she's up front, suddenly you notice something, a small, like, light, brightness, some heat, and suddenly you hear a scream. She goes, oh, oh my, oh, what? The flight attendant? And you attendant? look back up, the flight attendant, the back of her skirt is on fire. Oh, dear. She's... Freaking out. It's not fire. This is a plane. You shouldn't have that kind of fire on a plane. She's, freak, she's patting, patting herself down. She's freaking out. People immediately rush up to help. Mm. The people from the back, you see the nervous guy, the business person, the Orient Express boy, I mean, man, uh, the older woman. He said woman, he was in his 30s. Yeah, I'm a, a boy like me, a little boy. I'm a boy. They all stand up. They're rushing to the front to try and... No one quite knows what to do. People are trying to pat her down. You see, at one point, the nervous... Younger guy starts running down to the back of the plane to look to see. He's like, "Is there a fire extinguisher? Is there a fire extinguisher?" You're just as focused as everyone else on this on this sudden flame on this mm-hmm. flight attendant's skirt. The old woman is trying to help the the shoulder padded sleepy woman is taking off her coat and is trying to use it to pat down the. You know, people are running in and out. It's a little bit chaotic. Mm-hmm. You don't notice Keith at all in any of this chaos. But since he came back and fell asleep, it doesn't seem like he's done anything. I mean, he's rolled around in his sleep and whatever, but he hasn't woken up for this. But there's no time to worry about that. There's stuff going on. People are freaking out. Eventually, they pat it down enough, they pat it down, and the fire is out. Oh, my gosh. Flight attendant looks This is why I didn't ask for water, because I knew they'd need it later. Well, you should have asked for water. You could have thrown it on it. She comes down. She has absolutely no idea what happened. She's thinking, what? This is ridiculous. How did this happen? Everyone sort of calms down and sits back down for a second. I'm definitely making a formal complaint about her behaviour later. You should. 
Flight attendants are supposed to remain calm in disasters. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> plane disasters, not flame disasters. We have been on a plane yes. where a fire has happened. Have we? Yes, we oh, have. Oh, fun. I didn't even notice they were so calm in this disaster. I assume you were there. I probably was there. I think your family was there, so it would be weird if you weren't there. That would be odd. Yeah, someone's phone caught fire. Ah, fun. And it wasn't one of the ones that was caught up in the, oh no, their batteries are exploding disaster, their, but their phone battery, they were whole, their phone was sitting like right on a book or a notepaper or something. And so it started a fire and everyone remained exactly as calm as they should have been. It was a fantastic experience <laughs> all around. Sorry about your phone, person. So as everybody calms back down and you sit back down and you see Keith is still next to you. Oh, he must have been at least a little bit woken up by the situation because you see that now he's kind of got a blanket. Oh, okay. Uh, covering himself up and his, and his hat, his little cool cowboy hat is sort of slanted at the side. Uh, and he's just pressed up against the window, wrapped up. And the flight continues for a while. And then you notice something. Something sticky under your under your arm. Oh, yeah. the armrest. Ew. And you look and... No! It's some, it's some, some blood. No! <laughs> Am I wearing long sleeves at least? You're wearing long sleeves. Oh, okay. With blood protecting on your elbows. I'm getting deja vu. Have we talked about this and <laughs> solved this murder before? I don't think so. And then you look... And you notice that blood is coming from Keith Moser. No. Do you lift up the hat? Do you take off the blanket? I think I'm definitely going to be moving the blanket a bit. You move the blanket. You remove the hat a little. Mm. And you see that something, some heavy object has hit into the oh, back a hit. of Keith Moser's head. I didn't see that coming. And he's dead. Oh, man. You weren't pulling a house. No house. Just tragedy. <laughs> that sucks. Solve This Murder is created by Bill Sunderland and Danny Siller as part of the Consume This Media network. To find out more about all of our shows, you can head to consumethismedia.com. If you want to try your hand at solving this murder yourself, send your current theory in to solvethismurderpod at gmail.com and you may end up on our wall of detectives. If you enjoyed part one and you cannot wait another week for the next part and to see where this mystery concludes, our Patreon donors at www.patreon.com slash consumethismedia will have all parts of this mystery available to them right now. So if you're the sort of person who enjoys binging and just needs to hear that answer, that's where you'll find it. A special thank you to Jared, Devon and Wit from the podcast Advanced Sagebrush and Shootouts for creating our theme music. And thanks to all of you for listening.